0: Welcome to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a monthly series of conversations with, by, and for Vermonters with disabilities about what it's like to live with disabilities here in Vermont, the Green Mountain State. In this episode, we welcome Persephone Ringingberg to the show. Persephone lives in Vermont with her service dog, Willow, AKA Wildebeest, and is an artist and a freelance self-advocate for people with disabilities especially people with epilepsy and people with mental health issues. Persephone talks with Rachel Cronin, Assistant Director for the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at the University of Vermont, about making art, baking pound cakes, and how her life changed over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's listen.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome. My name is Rachel Cronin, I'm the Assistant Director for the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion here at UVM, and today I'm going to be talking with Persephone Ringenberg. Hi, Persephone, do you want to introduce yourself for the podcast? You just introduced me, so. Tell <laughs> us a little bit about yourself.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Persephone, um, I don't really know what to what to say to introduce myself, so.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, We had you on the podcast today, Persephone, because we're talking to um, people in the community who are self-advocates. Do you consider yourself
2: to be a self-advocate? A freelance self-advocate, yeah. Tell me more about that. Freelance, what does that mean? I'm not tied down with any organization. Sure. And what are your
1: kind of hobbies and interests or like what brought you to the field of self-advocacy?
2: That's a good question. yeah I took a leadership course and learned how to advocate better um I I'm I strongly advocate for people with um with epilepsy and the mental health community so
1: is that because you have experiences with that directly Persephone yes are you, are you, you're petting your dog, right?
2: Yeah.
1: I just wanted to make sure you can't see the dog in the, the video. And I just want to make sure people understand what you're doing.
2: <laughs> yes, my dog's right next to me. What's your dog's name? My service dog, um, Willow. She's your service dog.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you took a course in self-advocacy or how to be a better advocate. Can you tell me more about that course?
2: It was one that was put on through, um, I think, it was partially through Green Mountain self-advocates, and then I think, I'm not sure if um, the um, Developmental did it, uh, was part of it as well. I think fa- um, Family Network was part of it.
1: The Vermont Family Network?
2: Yeah, I think they were. Hmm. So.
1: What do you think is, what do you think are the skill sets, or um, what kinds of things do you need to have to be a good self advocate?
2: I think know yourself and know what you're advocating for. Um, case in point, um, I was I worked with McLean Hospital on their and the stigma for mental health. so like finding different avenues in which like where exactly you want to advocate and finding um finding partners to work with
1: tell me more about your work with McLean hospital what was that for what did you
2: do um they were do- they were doing they did um Pictures and descriptions in Boston, and then they were doing. um, They were looking for other ones, and I. I think it might still be up here in. um, At. um, The Burlington International Airport, um, but they took picture and they talked They, got description of. Like my mental health and like quotes for me but it was an installation with pictures and like quotes and then you could scan and read somebody's story oh and like there was like what they even had some famous people like Howie Mandel and his um OCD mm-hmm. so that's
1: interesting so you're a little bit of a local celebrity at the Burlington airport
2: yeah so um one of our trainers she didn't realize she was like how did I not know you're this cool? And she sends me the picture of the thing from a client. I'm like, yeah, I'm that cool.
1: Can you tell me more about what the picture or the story was that was associated with Um,
2: it? Well, the picture was me up at Scout and Company um, because I used to hang out up there and they were generous enough to let us do a photo shoot up there. And it was the first and only time I've had a professional photo shoot um and um it was actually they interviewed me when I was in the minute middle of a manic episode coming out of a manic episode so I had to like they sent me a piece and I was like nope that's not what I wanted so we rewrote the piece so that it came out the way I wanted it to Cause I, I, my main quote is like, I feel like I fall between the cracks. Like I'm one, one foot in and one foot out. Like I'm, I'm partially in the medical, I don't fit in one area or the other, because I, I feel like I'm higher functioning than other people with the developmental and I fall through the cracks with the mental health.
1: So So you're drawing attention to those issues maybe in our. our...
2: More with the mental health. Yeah. That falling through the cracks with that. Which I, I, I'm a very strong advocate for mental health. And I find for myself that I'm more compassionate when I'm having a mental health crisis towards people with mental health not to say that I'm not compassionate to them when I'm not but I'm more like open to being caring and um, and just caring in general than I am when I'm not when I'm just like another person struggling So
1: I think it's definitely true that it can be easier to have empathy for people when you've gone through similar struggles as them, right? Yeah. And sharing your story helps people who haven't gone through those struggles maybe have more empathy because they can learn more about what that experience is like. So I know know that you said that was your first experience with a professional photo shoot, but I know that we have some art hanging at CDCI.
2: That wasn't my professional photography that was somebody I knew that was my um mentor when I first moved up here and was in succeed so but um I the past two inclusive arts exhibits or exhibitions I've been in um the first one I had a photo in, and the second one, the first one was a new. I had a photo in, and the second one was um, mask. I had a abstract painting in, and I I'm applying for the uh, for it's their fifth um, <clears throat> fifth one but it would be my third one if I got in, um, which is Cycle. And I'm hoping to have um, a set of three pictures for, to go into that one.
1: So tell me more about your art. Do you mostly do mixed media or do you do photography or?
2: Mixed media, a a little bit of everything, like uh, depending what I feel like, it's easier for me to do photos because it's a way for me to just remember and express myself and how I see the world. Um, I haven't painted since, I think, 2020 or 21, maybe, because of the beast I have here. <laughs> I, I just haven't had the time. She she takes up all my time. Willow, so. you I mean? Yeah. Oh, be, her nickname is Beast or Wilderbeast so. <laughs> That's great.
1: I think I've met Willow because I think you came into the the hall when I was there with Willow. Uh, yeah. She
2: seems very sweet. Oh, yes. Well, she can be sassy. <laughs> <laughs> she's very she's very sassy.
1: So you're hoping to have a display in the Next Inclusive Arts Gallery exhibition. Yes. Cool. And you said it was called Cycle, their next, Yeah.
2: Do you, know, do you know what the theme is or what that means? Oh, that, that is the theme. It, it, that's the title of it, is Cycle. So that's the theme of, so whatever people in, interpret it to mean. Cool.
1: How are you, so, in, do you know how you're interpreting that
2: yet? Oh, yeah. I'm doing it um, physic, physics, physics. Oh, so I'm doing it with um, I the last the first time I entered, I used photos from the fair, and this time I'm I'm also entering photos from the fair, um, of hair suspension. Oh, interesting.
1: Tell and me more about that. I don't I don't know that I know what that is.
2: It's where literally people are hanging from their hair. They it's tied pulled up and there's a thing carabiner in there and they're hanging from their hair
1: whoa that must have been cool to see it sounds kind yeah. of
2: scary so the different positions that they were doing
1: yeah um, and then you said you did a you did a submission for inclusive arts for their mask masked display yeah. can you tell me more about that
2: um that one I'm also waiting to hear whether or not because um, um not Berlin, Barry's um, higher Belladie was interested in my piece, so I haven't gotten it back. <laughs> um, but it was a um, abstract painting called Panic, which I did like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was funny because my, I was paying attention to the news and my mom was like, I was like, we need to stock up on stuff. And my mom's like, oh, no, it's not going to be that bad. <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> and like, she's like, we'll be fine. And then it comes up to be like four years later. and. <laughs>
1: I think it was, it was much more intense than a lot of people expected. I know,
2: my mom was just like, no, it's not gonna be bad. Why do you need a mask and all these different things? I'm like, are you not paying attention? Yeah,
1: I know when, um, before had, before um, COVID had really come to the United States, there was some, there was some mess going out that we shouldn't be wearing masks because we want to save them for the healthcare providers, right? right? And how quickly that changed to be like, no, 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 everyone should be wearing masks.
2: Right. Yeah. Like I was like staying home um, and um, the first mask I actually got was from a acquaintance friend of mine. They were like asking who needs masks. I paid them and that turned out to be small. And then I got some other one I had ones made that my dog tore apart oh. once I got her she was she took out the things yes she gets some stuff um <laughs> I got some good ones I got one that um was a pit bull on the face and then I had one that said um I'm sorry I'm rusty on my people skills
1: I think we all got a little rusty on our people skills over the well, past I,
2: I years. thought it was just perfect for me because I'm rusty on people skills anyways <laughs> Um so do you want to talk
1: about how you feel about mask mandates now at this point in the pandemic
2: I I respect people that um wear them um I just get annoyed with people that are like coughing and hacking on the bus and just not covering their mouths.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know that there was some thought that maybe this could be kind of a culture shift where people would, if they were feeling sick or had a cold, but it wasn't that bad, they would, if they had to leave their house, they would put a mask on. Like, right. that makes sense.
2: Right, and especially since I have family that are, are uh, have autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. So, like, they have to wear a mask.
1: And so the painting you did for Inclusive Arts that was called Panic, I was trying to find it because I wanted to see a picture of it while you were talking, but I can't find it on there. Um, I see the exhibition, but I don't know how to find your specific piece.
2: Hold on. Okay. I can show you.
1: Oh, right, okay, I do see that on the website, it just didn't label it as yours. I like that. I can see why you would call it panic too. I I really feel that.
2: Yeah, I've got tons of photos for sale. Um, Most of my paintings are for sale. They're one one of a kind. It's sort of like my journaling.
1: How do you sell them, Persephone?
2: People can buy uh, just buy them from me, like from your Instagram. Yeah, well, they can contact me and then, um, like. my um my the old um receptionist at my doctor's office um wanted a piece of my art and so I brought her one and she gave me a check for it and she was like you should pedal around the hospital with your art yeah get a little <laughs> and, cart yeah and, like I made a piece um for my neurologist of neurons abstract of what I think a neuron looks like and I gave that to him and I might give I've got to give him uh, another um, piece of art for his retirement next year that's nice so yeah but um, yeah just contact me and they could maybe Venmo my mom (laughs) or (laughs) yeah I have Facebook, but they're two different ones that are the same one. World through my eyes, um, but also Instagram has the picture has pictures, and um, just let me know which ones you want, and I could print them out.
1: Do you want to share your Instagram handle for people?
2: Um. Oh sure, it is. World through which is spelled t h r o my eyes
0: and it's all one
2: world i'm gonna find you and follow you it could also it also might show up as just through my eyes
1: so when is the exhibition for cycle um
2: 2024 okay
1: no, at the beginning of the pandemic, I um, Vermont Tent Company had a bunch of tablecloths that they were donating to people who would sew them into masks, and I ended up picking up tablecloths and sewing masks
2: uh, for people. It was cr- that's what a crazy time! I, I cooked a lot, I, I baked a lot during the pandemic. I would go home because there was no respite or um, staffing, so I would go home, and my mom ended up getting paid for that time oh they were doing that time i think it was Eris or the government was doing like because families were being paid for that for taking care of their their children or their family members that were not getting services so i would go home um and this was before she moved um to her new apartment the she was in her, uh, would be considered a mobile home, even though it was stationary. And mm-hmm. I baked brownies, baked pound, uh, I think it was pound cake, something. Yeah, I think lemon pound cake, mm-hmm. um, cookies, all sorts of different things. And I was just like whipping it up, or, like each day, a different thing. That's and exactly. I, I, I I only did it with the help of my mom because um, I've lost my cooking skills and it was a progressive thing. Um, this is why I advocate for epilepsy and I'm very I'm, try to be as much involved with Epilepsy Foundation as I can um, due to my seizures. And it wasn't like one seizure, do this. It was like a progression of it. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to have a seizure in front of the uh, stove and burn myself um I can't cut anymore I've lost all the skills like I used to cook a lot and make different things now I I don't do it like yeah
1: that must be hard
2: it it really is like i I found joy in it I went to technical school for cooking and now all those skills are gone I'm sorry So it was a
1: it was a pandemic hobby of yours.
2: It was, yeah. It was a fun pandemic. I made some gluten free um, stuff for people that really enjoyed it. Um, My uncle is celiac, so we made him some cook some uh, using King Arthur flour and made him lemon raspberry no it was just lemon pound cake and brought it down to them
1: i also am gluten-free because i have an autoimmune disorder and i love baking and um king arthur's measure for measure flour is such a good substitute
2: i i'm supposed to be gluten-free but <laughs> i'm bad <laughs> It's too hard
1: to give up bread
2: I, I, once I had surgery, it was just like, I can't, I can't do the gluten-free stuff. It's too hard to do it. So I was just like, I just went back to eating gluten because like I have the celiac gene. So I, I'm playing Russian roulette each time I eat gluten. Like, am I going to get celiac disease? (laughs) guys!
1: Um, you know, I think that makes sense. Actually, my, my dad says to me, if you already have to give up things, so like, if there's already things you're missing out on for one reason or another for health issues, don't give up anything else that you don't have to give up. So
2: my uncle, he says, um, he thinks of gluten as poison (sighs) and don't eat, don't waste it on like McDonald's or something. If you're going to eat gluten, eat something that's really good. And I was just like, I, I was just like I waste, I, I screwed up. I should have chugged down on that when I was in Disney
1: mm. because
2: I, I um, had their glue. We went to a really expensive place prior to the fireworks. We went, we went for my niece's fifth birthday last year, and the only thing that was good on my plate was the butterscotch pudding everything else was horrible and I asked my mom was were your guys' desserts good they're like yeah I'm like mine was horrible I should I should have scored in on the cashed in on the gluten fruit, gluten yeah if I was if we were gonna pay that much and then my my sister and my mother this on our last day in Disney when we had dinner together um at a diner. Um, They're like, those are some expensive mashed potatoes. (laughs) Because that's all I was eating. (laughs) I couldn't find anything on on the buffet that I wanted. That's funny. (laughs) Except for some broccoli raw and then I discovered the pork belly. I was like, these are good. But nothing else is really looking good.
1: <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> that's funny i do say when i'm traveling that i allow myself to to eat gluten because i'll never be able to get that stuff again yeah. where i'm going you know
2: oh yeah well i know i'm gonna be getting my gluten fixed when i get um cotton and donuts to go to when we go to maine they have uh, they although their gluten free ones are pretty good too but their donuts are it's a family tradition to always go there and there's the a main Maine diner are they potato donuts is that the thing in maine i don't think theirs are these are homemade donuts um and they're they change their hours from the for off season it's different than on season sure but they're open like at 6 a.m to 2 p.m
1: wow sounds good when are you going to maine
2: next uh next month Uh, not not next week but the following week so that's exciting and then get to have clam chowder (sighs) (laughs) you're a big clam chowder fan from main diner, yes. I could eat the whole thing by myself. <laughs> I've never been there. Oh my god, I love
1: it. Um we have a meeting this week, I think, for the community advisory council, but yeah.
2: no, because I have staff. I have staff in the morning and then I have staff right after that. So
1: busy day. Yes,
2: busy, busy day. What do you mean when you say you have staff? What do you do? Um I have community support staff, so like I go out in the community.
1: What do you Um, mean today, this week?
2: Um. Well, today I have I have I'm supposed to have 15 hours, but um. We haven't found anyone to fill them, so it's sort of like I have a sub staff, and then I have one that I have for four four hours a week, so two hours today and two hours tomorrow.
1: And was that just like totally gone during the pandemic? You didn't have that Mm -hmm. support at all? Yep. And have you found post-pandemic? I mean, we're not post-pandemic. It's it's
2: still hard. Like they still haven't been able to fill the position. Um, I have a friend that um, will get paid to hang out with me because, because they know like they can do as many hours But they also have work in a family um, to do do time with me um, because I'm not getting my hours and that there were so many. It's like a backlog of hours that I have. That's just there's
1: just a real staff shortage. Is that what that
2: uh, is? Oh yeah, there's a there's a meeting. I my mom has been going to um, with. Jen Garabedian who I love Jen Garabedian she's one of my sister's best friends and she's known me since I was a little kid um and she's working with people and to try to figure out the staff shortages mm.
1: do you feel like there's some like light at the end of the tunnel for that I have yeah.
2: no idea because they just Even this, even the staff, like I have one good staff. I like, I had to let, I let go one another staff because they were not helpful. And then um, this one, it's sort of like, they sort of put me with people like in the afternoon, even though afternoon's not the best time for me. So.
1: it's challenging. Yeah. Do you feel like that's unique in Vermont, or do you think that's a problem everywhere?
2: Well, I, that's the thing. Is I was also um, I put things on my Facebook. Like there was, and um, once one, one um, state, they're like um, they're wanting. There's such a backlog of care for for um, individuals that the state is like at its max of people that they can take in. I see. And so like other people are like, well, what about us? And like the most, and then their parents are having to take care of the children um, with severe disabilities. And then there was one where it was lucky enough the one, ch- um, one Child, but I think they're an adult. But I'm calling them a child, because I they're a child to me. <laughs> I'm almost forty, so everyone's a child. Um, so they were lucky enough to get a support for them, so that they could get a job and uh, help them at home. But like other places, they're they're still like, what about us, like? can't be watching my child 24 7 I yeah. need to be working so it's just like yeah do
1: you think that that's part of your self-advocacy right now is to try and help people understand that that kind of shortage well, of I
2: tried like my advocacy is that, like I've gone to I tried to have a meeting with um our old lieutenant governor and he compared um mental health like putting um funding into mental health either that or clean water or water to um do I want clean water or his analogies, just like two different things that had nothing to do with each other and it was just like talking to a brick wall like I'm asking for funds here to help people with at, that are we're slipping through the cracks. There's not enough support. There's support for people with addictions that have mental health, but not somebody that just has mental health and mental health crisis. There's no place for them to go. He's it was my mom was with me right there when I was vocalizing this, and she's like, Really? Yeah,
1: yeah that's hard,
2: like, really. There needs to be more. There's not enough funding for people to support us. Like I brought that up, and he's just like comparing it to water and stuff like that. I'm like, we need, there's already so little funding going into the, to Howard and into the mental health stuff, and they're trying to squeeze it out, and you're trying to take out even more.
1: That's true. Yeah. I mean, I understand that there's probably lots of priorities in, when you're running a state, right? There's lots of things that people need to focus on, but it's the job of our elected officials to balance that and, and find support for the things that need it, right?
2: Yeah. And listen to the, listen to their patrons or p- the people.
1: Yeah. Their constituents. Yes. Um, so yeah, it sounds like we've got some time to get, get people to start... Uh, advocating for Vermont law reform or, or a uh, reform in our state to, to have more funding for mental health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really great talking to you, Persephone. Thank you for recording this podcast with me. You're welcome.
0: You've been listening to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a series published by the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at the University of Vermont. Thank you to Persephone Ringberg and Rachel Cronin for joining us for this episode. You can find a full transcript of the episode, along with photos of Persephone's art, at go.uvm.edu slash green mountain mountain disability thanks for listening